which is not, is not only for you, but it's also for me. And it's a message that, as I prepared, gave me motivation and strength to face 2019 with hope and anticipation. And I pray that it will be the same for you. If you could just bow your heads with me one more time. I feel like we need prayer right now because there's so many things um, that are just kind of distracting. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to pray um, just a Thanksgiving prayer. Um, just for the many people who are making it possible for us to have worship today. And we just ask that if possible, you would help the live stream um, to work as well so that others who may be wanting to watch online can also participate. But even if not, Father, we just want to thank you that at this time your Holy Spirit is with us and that you are going to um, help us experience um, rejuvenation and refreshing for the new year to come. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are feeling drained at all um, or tired, then you'll be able to identify with, with the main character I'm going to be talking about today, whose name is Ezekiel. And I just realized I don't have the clicker up here, guys. And so you're going to have to either hand it over or bear with me as I tell you next slide. Is that okay? Oh, good. Cool. Um, so Ezekiel was a, was a young priest who was born in the 6th century B.C. And just to give you a little bit of historical context, the 6th century B.C. was um, when five major thought streams kind of began. So, ah, thank you, right on point. And so, for example, you've got Buddha and Mahavira in India. You've got Zoroaster in Persia, Pythagoras in Greece, and Confucius in China. So those all began in the 6th century B.C., Meanwhile, the Judeo worldview of the God um, of the Israelites had, had been, their worldview and their history had been in existence for over 1,500 years. And so just, I've created a very rough timeline um, on the next slide of kind of, oops, sorry, that one, yep, um, of some of the kind of major events to give you perspective on kind of where we are in, in history. And so some 2,000 years before Jesus was born, God had promised Abraham that he was going to give him descendants as numberless as the stars, and that one of those descendants would end up blessing the whole world. And then we fast forward to the 15th century BC, and Moses leads the great people, the Israelites, out of Exodus, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, right? Fantastic story. And he leads them to the de desert, um, and God gives, communicates through Moses his plan of salvation. And he gives them the sanctuary, he gives them worship services, he gives them principles of, of love and justice and mercy. But sadly, for the next thousand years, the Jewish people just can't treat God well, nor each other well. And they keep pursuing uh, foreign gods. Um, they worship foreign gods of rain and, and the sun and the moon and fertility. And they, of course, um, become very self-centered. And instead of loving God and loving others, which are the principles of God's law, they love themselves and they um, lack compassion and they perpetuate injustice and suffering. So finally, we get to 622 BC. Um, and that year was a very significant year because not only was Ezekiel born that year, but that was the year that a young king named Josiah um, did something amazing. He was only 26 years old, but he, he realized, hey, you know what? Let's, let's go back to the God of our fathers. Let's go back to the God of heaven. And they had forgotten about him so much. 
and they had neglected going to temple worship so much that they didn't even um, have all the priests in place. The walls were crumbling. And so King Josiah commissioned them, hey, let's go rebuild and renovate the temple. I know some of you are renovating your homes. We just bought a new couch because our couch is so old. The kids have jumped all over it and there's pieces of it falling off. Every time someone sits on it, like another piece falls off. It's so embarrassing. So we finally on Boxing Day bought a new couch. And so it's coming at the end of January. So you come over and check it out. <laughs> but yes, it's it, King Josiah said, you know what? It's finally time to renovate. It's finally time to rebuild the temple. Let's pay, t- pay some attention. So they had gathered some money and they started re- rebuilding the temple And as the priests were renovating, and you know how you sometimes go into your closet at the end of the year to clean it out, to make room. So they were kind of cleaning things out, and they discovered these scrolls. And they were like, what's this? And they unrolled the scrolls, and you know what? It was the book of the law, which we know today as Genesis, the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you know, those first five books of the Bible. They They didn't even know what it was. They didn't, even, they didn't even know it was in there because they hadn't read God's word in so long. So when they found these scrolls and dusted them off and started reading, they were shocked and heartbroken to realize how far from God they had come. So King Josiah, he realizes we, we really need to read this to everybody because we, we haven't been keeping any of God's laws. We haven't been worshiping him at all. We have neglected everything that he has taught us. And so then they read it to the people. And there's this great religious reform that happens in 622 BC. Now, Ezekiel was born to a priestly family. So that means, you know, in that great year of reform, here's his baby. And as he's growing up, he's able to read the law. He's able to hear God's word. But sadly, not for long. Sadly, after King Josiah is killed in battle in 609 BC, the people and the new king go back to their old ways. The reform didn't last very long. And as a 13-year-old, Ezekiel would have just started his internship as a young priest, learning how to help the people worship, learning how to pray for the people, helping to, you know, wash things and helping maybe, you know, make the bread that goes in the, in the temple, etc., The people had already stopped coming. They already had broken the covenant with God that they had made not that long ago. And one of those sad consequences was that the people did not care. They just simply didn't care what God had to say. God sent prophet after prophet. So Jeremiah was another prophet that God um, used during this time to try to warn the people, hey, Stop hurting each other. Stop oppressing each other. Start treating each other kindly. Come back to me. And one of the other things that God warned them about was that there was this rising power, the Babylonians. And God warned them, hey, just pay your taxes to them. Don't rebel. But sadly, the Israelites did not listen. They kept rebelling. They kept rebelling. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar, who's, who was the prince um, at that time, Get sick of this little people group that keeps causing trouble. So he comes in 605 BC, attacking them, taking the king and some of the royal family uh, to Babylon. And that's when he takes, I don't know if you've ever heard of Daniel and his three friends. That's when they get taken in 605 BC. Again, God uses the prophets to warn them, hey, don't rebel against Babylon. But they don't listen. 
they rebel. And so then Nebuchadnezzar comes back in 597 BC. And this time he takes all the young professionals, all the skilled workers, 10,000 plus people. And that's when Ezekiel gets taken as a young 25-year-old. Can you imagine how Ezekiel felt? He had spent his whole life training to work as a priest in the temple. But now he's been taken away from the temple, away from Jerusalem to Babylon. What's going to be his future? What's going to be the future of his people? And it's while he's in exile, while he's wondering what his own future is going to be and what the future of his people are going to be, wondering if there's any hope left for his nation, that God sends Ezekiel a vision, calling him to be his prophet, calling him to be a messenger of what God has to share with the remnant exile that is now in Babylon. For five years, Ezekiel tries to warn the remaining Israelites. They still don't listen. And then there's a third conquest, as you can see, in 587 BC, Nebuchadnezzar comes, they completely destroy Jerusalem, and they take everybody back to Babylon now. And the city, the nation, is completely destroyed. And it is at this time when the Israelites have now, you know, slowly have made their way to Babylon, and they're all living in exile, and they're all feeling completely desperate, completely hopeless, feeling abandoned, feeling, you know, justifiably judged, and it's at that time when they're decimated, shattered, and demoralized that God sends Ezekiel this unforgettable vision. It's creepy and awesome. The year is 585 BC. And Ketson, if you could go to the next slide and, and um, go with me. If you have your white Bibles, it's page... Six hundred and ninety-seven, page six hundred and ninety-seven, and I'm going to be reading Ezekiel thirty-seven verses one to fourteen. And I do have the words on the on the on the slide, but I also want to kind of I would like you to imagine and listen to this vision. So it says this: The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I have said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. What a spooky experience for Ezekiel. Can you imagine? Here is this valley of dry bones. And it would have been extremely frightening for Ezekiel to see this valley of dry bones come together right, and come to life. And Ezekiel would have realized as he's, as he's watching this scene that these bones aren't just any bones. Usually um, people were buried underground or in tombs, in graves. And so the fact that there's this dry valley of bones probably indicates that this was a battlefield, that these bodies have been left there to, um, you know, to be left to the vultures, etc. It was symbolic of the Israelites who had died during the Babylonian captivity when Nebuchadnezzar came and attacked them. But it was also symbolic of those who had survived, but who were now in despair, saying, we are like dry bones. We have no hope left. Our nation is finished. And when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Notice Ezekiel is very wise. He doesn't say yes nor no. He knows that God has resurrected people in the past. But all those instances were people who had just died. Whereas these bones are so dry, they've been dead for a long time. And so Ezekiel knows that it's impossible for them to come back to life. And he also knows that the Israelites don't deserve to be resurrected. They had rebelled and brought this upon themselves. In fact, it was customary in those days that when you break a covenant, that your body is, is left out. Um, and so, for example... In a 7th century BC uh, Babylonian contract between two vessels, it says in that treaty, and they found this archaeologically, it says that if they break the contract, their bodies are left out to be eaten you know, by animals, etc. And so Ezekiel knows the Israelites have broken their covenant with God. They have broken their covenant with each other. They have broken their covenant with Babylon. So they deserve to be left out. But he also knows that God is a God of mercy. And so Ezekiel, you know, wants this to happen, but he doesn't dare say it. So he just says, Lord, you know. And notice how God calls Ezekiel son of man. If you go to the next slide, there's a slide um, where I'm showing you why this is significant. In the Hebrew, um, the word for man is Adam. That's why Adam is called Adam because God formed him. Um, formed him for the first time. So he's man, he's mankind, son of man. But also Adam is called Adam because the Hebrew word for ground is Adama, which is very similar. They share that root word. And so you see here when, when God calls Ezekiel son of man, Ben Adam, he's referring back to that creation story, to that time when he formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and man became a living being. And so he says, son of Adam, son of mankind, right? 
you who are who are from that descendant who are formed out of the ground, he says, can these bones live? And you see, if God can create life out of nothing, surely he can create life out of old bones. So then Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. There's a quote on the next slide that says, there is a sure and certain feature based not on what Israel can do, but on God's determination to save his people. You see, if we can have any hope for our future, if we can have any hope for 2019, it's not because of our you know, resolutions and our determinations and our you know, clenching our, our teeth and, 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 and getting ready. It's because God is determined to save us. It's because God is determined to, to love and to guide us and to give us that hope. That's the kind of God he is. So how does he bring about this resurrection? Just like in the creation story, when God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. God uses his word to bring about a new life. When Jesus was here on earth, he said this on the next slide. It says, the spirit alone, Jesus speaking to his people, his disciples, he said, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. And he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, God's words have the power not only to create, but to recreate new life. His words have the power to give us eternal life and life here and now that is meaningful and significant and purposeful and different from the humdrum, mundane, everyday life that we could be living and that we have lived in the past. God's words have transformed criminals into champions, slaves into pioneers and cowards into heroes his words can bring us back to life but what else is needed in this in this great valley scene we have the words of god but also what else do we need in order to have that new creation the breath the breath notice how god tells ezekiel to speak to the winds for breath to come breathe into these dead bodies that they may live and Ketan, sorry, if you could go to the next slide. <laughs> the Hebrew word for breath and wind is actually the same. It's ruach. Okay, can you all say that with me? Ruach. Okay, get, get, get that throaty guttural. <laughs> and it's because it's that sound of breath and wind. And it's actually the same word. And so it may be confusing for, for sometimes. Is this supposed to be translated breath or wind? But when you look at verse 9, it's very interesting that um, there's the definitive article, the. It's the breath, not just any breath, not just anyone, but the breath. It says, come, the breath from the four winds to breathe into these bodies. You see, this is the breath of life, the one that God breathed into Adam when he first created mankind, and then man became a living soul. This is the breath that when you die and your body, you know, 
decomposes and that breath goes back to God. And so here is this breath that gets breathed into the bodies for them to be a living being. And it represents how we need not only the word of God to bring us to life, but also the breath of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit animating us as we read the Bible, as we contemplate his words, as we try to be led by him. And that is when we become a new creation. And that's when we become alive once more. And as we step out in faith, that life becomes real. But there's another element to this story. You've got the word of God and you've got the breath of God. But what else is needed to bring this dry bones into living army? What else was needed? It's very interesting when you look at this story that God doesn't speak directly to the bones. What does he do instead? He tells Ezekiel to speak to the bones. And he tells Ezekiel to speak to the winds. You see, God uses us in his plan to bring others back to life. He, can, he could just talk to people directly, but there is something about the process of asking us to speak his words that not only brings others to life, but gives us new hope as well. There is Ezekiel who had trained his whole life to be a priest, but now feels useless because he's not at the temple anymore. But God says, Ezekiel, I've got a new mission for you. I want you to speak life to these dry bones, to these people who seem hopeless because they never listen, right? And yet there is hope because in God, with God, all things are possible. And he says, Ezekiel, I want you to speak to these dry bones. Can you imagine how silly Ezekiel felt speaking to a bunch of bones, right? Speaking to the wind. I wonder if, if, if the first time he spoke very quietly, like, okay, bones, right? He feels a bit silly. He's not really sure what he's doing. But can you imagine as he speaks, there's a rattling. Maybe he jumped, watching the skeletons come back together, watching the flesh and the sinews and the ligaments and the muscles and the skin coming together. So then when God says, all right, Ezekiel, now speak to the winds. I think at that time he spoke a little more confidently, right? Winds, come and breathe into these bodies. And then he gets to see this living army. You see, when God asks us to share his words, it's hard because his words aren't always logical. It's not logical to talk to bones. It's not logical to expect them to come to life. And so it's hard for us to, to share sometimes God's words with others because we feel silly. We are afraid to be laughed at. So we're afraid that they'll judge us. We're afraid nothing will happen. And so sometimes we give up. But I want you to remember through this story that nothing is impossible with God. And nothing or no one is beyond hope. There have been people in my life that I've prayed for. And I, I just come to a point where I'm like, oh, they're never going to change. It's never going to happen. And sometimes I, I really feel like giving up. But this story is a reminder to me to never give up. To keep sharing God's word. To, to keep praying for others. And to keep trusting that God can bring to life something that is completely dead. So who or what can you pray for in 2019? What has been your grave in 2018? What disappointments, what discouragements, 
What have you left behind to be scorched in the heat, thinking that it's beyond hope? Who or what have you given up on in 2018 that you can now pray for again and hope for again? Because God can bring it back to life. God can answer your prayers. God can do amazing things. Perhaps you feel like dry bones today. Perhaps you feel like your walk with God is at a stalemate. You feel far from him. You feel like that zombie, right? Dead, walking around, doing everything, but without that breath to animate you. God has a message for you. Next slide, Ephesians chapter 2. Sorry, next one, please. Yep. It says, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Next slide. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When you raised Christ from the dead, it is with Christ um, and seated with, with us in heaven, in the heavenly realms. Sorry, I think I skipped a line. He raises Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. Next slide. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago you see i've been in that cycle where you you just kind of you know forget about god's word and you forget to pray and time passes days go by and you're kind of going day to day wondering why do i feel so unmotivated right wondering why do i feel just so empty and drained and exhausted and tired and caught in this cycle and God is saying it's because it's so easy to slip back into that world of living like everybody else. And there's nothing um, inherently evil about that, but it's not a road to life. It is a road to death because we're all destined to die. But God says, I'm giving you the free gift of salvation. I'm giving you life before you even recognize it, while you are dead, before you do anything good, I am coming to save you anyway. And I'm going to resurrect you anyway because I love you. And because I am determined to give you a future. So how can this recreation happen for us? When the word of God is neglected, it gets forgotten. And when God's word is forgotten, his principles of love, justice, and mercy get broken, get manipulated. And then we too contribute to the pain and injustice and suffering in the world, but we don't even realize it and we blame God and other people for all the problems, when in fact we are contributing to it just by our selfish choices. And then we wonder why we feel so dead inside and why God seems so far away. 
But it's in that moment that God comes to us and says, "Hey, I am going to put new breath in you. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to bring you back to life. Are you willing to listen to my word? Are you willing to obey my voice?" I want to recommit to that kind of recreation and that revival, and so I'm committing to reading and reflecting on the Word of God and spending time in prayer. And I want to invite you that if you would like to join me, I am going to text. I've done this last year. I'm doing it again. That for the first 31 days of 2019, if you want to be、um, part of the group that gets text texted by me,、um, the next slide, Ketson. Thanks. Um, my phone number is in the bulletin. If you、uh, need a bulletin, grab one, or you can Facebook message Melbourne City Adventist Church and just say yes to daily nuggets.、Um, I, I call them daily nuggets. And if you remember last year, those of you who did it, I basically text you sometime between 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. depending on how I feed the kids and to send them off to childcare and all that. But sometime between that time,、um, if you sign up, I will text you a daily nugget, which will be、uh, a Bible verse. And maybe a short thought,、um, reflection that I have, but also maybe a question for you to think about.、Um, so it won't be super long, you know, just a daily nugget. So if you want to sign up for that for the first 31 days of January, just send me a text or message saying that you want this,、um, and I commit to doing that and sending you that message every day for the first 31 days of the year. It's an invitation for you to step your foot in. And and start opening yourself up to the possibilities that God has, because you see, when when we see a, a valley of dry bones, God sees a field of opportunity, and He sees so much potential in each one of us to be not only part of that living army, right, that living generation for God, but also to be like Ezekiel to bring others to life through our acts. And if you don't want to text for me, that's fine. There's some other options for you on the next slide.、Um, this is an app that I use personally every day. It's called Read Scripture, and it's based on、um, the Bible Project videos that I often show here. And so, what it does is every day it just、um, has a little video. Some days it doesn't, and then it has just the Word of God for you to read and, and think about. And so, I really like this. The next slide. There's some other devotional apps.、Um, So Celia Camp, a friend of mine who's also going to be our guest speaker for our church retreat, has written three apps, and you can find them on Android and and、um, on the Apple platform. It's called Into the Desert, which originally was written for Lent, but you can read it any time. It's a it's a forty day journey. Deep Calls to Deep is a forty six day journey, and Songs from a Strange Land is the most recent one. And it was you know for the Christmas time, but again you can start at any time. And、um, that one I think is like a thirty six day journey. So you know between thirty six to forty six days,、um, you can pick one. And I love that app because she's got you know the Bible text and a really thought provoking reflection, short. But then you go to the next tab, and it has quotes that you know, songs and links to other other thoughts, you know, exploring that topic. And then she's got you know questions、um, for you to think about. So it's a great app. So you got to go through each tab. Make sure you go through all, through all the tabs each day. There's another.、Um, there's so many out there.、Um, here's another one on the next slide. This is the U Version Bible app,、um, and they have various reading plans. And so.、Um, 
you can find a reading plan that fits any topic you're interested in. You can pick one that's one week long or a month long or a year long. Um, you can pick it, you know, you can do one with, with your partner. You can do one with your friend. You can do it by yourself. There's so many reading plans on that app. And so I recommend that one as well. Or maybe you want to go the old fashioned way and pick up um, a study Bible, um, I have a new one this year that I'm really excited to try. It's called the Inspire Bible. It's a journaling, it's a coloring Bible, basically. And so every few, few pages, it's got this beautiful um, blank template for you to color in. And as you color, you're supposed to be reflecting on the words. And a friend of mine um, does it, and she's been posting hers on Facebook. It looks beautiful, so I'm really excited to try that. So I'll see if I do that or the painting first. We'll see. But um, yeah, there's so many, so many ways. But I just want to invite you to... Yes, David. Okay, I'll try. Okay, you can hold me accountable. Um, and so... Just pick something, you know, or just, just pick one way for, and, and it'd be great if you have someone to keep you accountable. Maybe you've got a friend or, or someone and um, you can always ask me and I'll keep you accountable um, to go back to the word of God. Because remember what the Israelites experienced, that, that eventually as, as they neglected the word of God, it led to death and destruction. And, and in order for us to experience that new life, we need the word of God. So go back to the word of God. And remember also the Holy Spirit, that breath that gives us that new life, that we invite God through prayer to, to breathe that new life into us, to give us the Holy Spirit, to inspire us as we read, that we can obey and follow it. One of the last visions of Ezekiel is, is recorded in Ezekiel chapter 47, and it's this amazing vision, and I'm not going to read it, but I'll explain what happens God shows Ezekiel standing in front of the temple and there's this little trickle of a stream that comes out of the temple doors. And Ezekiel's walking along it, you know, but all of a sudden the stream gets a little deeper and now it's ankle deep. And it keeps walking and, and now it's like knee deep. A little further and now it becomes a river and he's waist deep. And he keeps walking and now it's so deep that he's swimming in it. And God says, hey, Ezekiel, this is symbolic of the experience that you're going to have. When you start out in your walk with God, it's just a trickle. But as you keep going, God is going to flood you with his love. He's going to flood you with his grace and you're going to experience swimming in, in that encounter and experience with God where you know that he is around you all the time, that he's with you always. There's a, in the next slide, Ketsim, at the end of this vision, God asks Ezekiel, have you been watching son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. And when I returned, so he comes out of the river now, goes back to temple. I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the waters of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. You see, this water can turn the Dead Sea into a sea swarming with fish. And, and God gives this vision to Ezekiel to, to remind him that there is not just a glimmer of a hope, but this amazing future that God has planned for his people and for all people who are willing to follow him who are willing to say, yes, I want to hear your voice. I want your Holy Spirit in my life. 
I want to go on this journey. And as we do, our lives will be a blessing to others so that wherever we go, whoever we touch, right, life can come to them. That trees and fish and wildlife can flourish, right, in this, in this vision is symbolic of the kind of, of impact we can have in our communities, in our churches, in our families, in our city. And it is my prayer that in 2019, not only will we experience new life, but that we can help others experience this new life and that we can help this city be revitalized with God's glory. May God bless you as you face the new year and may we experience new life together.